Welcome to the Soul of Islam radio podcast with Ahmed Saqamini and Emil Ihsan Alexander Tarabi. This is episode number five of season number one. My name is Ahmed Saqamini and I'm a researcher in atomic molecular optical physics, a spoken word artist, and deeply committed to sharing the fundamental connection between science and spirituality with our community and beyond. Ihsan is a lifelong student of Islamic spirituality and the creator and founder of the highly acclaimed Islamic Meditation and Eternal Warrior Way programs. He is a spiritual coach, writer, and speaker committed to the evolution of consciousness within the global community. The Soul of Islam radio podcast is dedicated to sharing the deeper dimension of Islam and supporting your personal growth and spiritual development. Today's podcast will mainly be a discussion in an attempt to explore the relationship between the black holes in the heavens and the voids within each and every one of us. There's something very significant about the relationship between the two, and there's a lot of spiritual and self-knowledge that can be drawn from the physical world. Now, a black hole has recently made an appearance in Hollywood with the movie Interstellar. So black holes have been on people's minds, and here at the Soul of Islam Radio, we will tune in to see what the physical world can tell us about spirituality. And of course, joining the discussion is our very own brother Ihsan. Assalamu alaikum and how are you feeling today? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. I'm feeling wonderful. Alhamdulillah. Thank you, Ahmed. It's wonderful to be here with you and with all of our listeners throughout the world. I'm particularly looking forward to this topic as I know you have been with your background in physics. Inshallah, it will be very interesting. Oh, I'm very much excited. Before we started recording this podcast, actually, I was staring at an image of a black hole and I was completely mesmerized. So yes, I'm very excited. And inshallah, this will be a very beautiful podcast. You know, it's amazing the images that are now available to us of the heavens. I myself am often bewildered and amazed and in awe when I look at these images of the stars, the heavens, the galaxies, these clusters of energy throughout the universe. It's absolutely mind-boggling. It is, subhanAllah. So let us begin. Bismillah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Now, everything is nothing. The universe which contains and is everything has puzzled scientists, explorers, poets, artists, and many others for millennia. What we know about the universe, its nature, its given laws of physics, and phenomena within it is yet but a drop in an infinitely vast ocean. Yet with that in mind, there is so much to be learned from what we currently know about the cosmos we are all experiencing. Now, the universe contains billions of galaxies, each of which carries billions of stars and planets. But there is something very peculiar at the heart and center of every galaxy. You know, if we look at our own galaxy, the Milky Way, its 400 billion stars are all orbiting around a very dark and dense object. And this strange phenomenon is referred to as a black hole. Now, a black hole contains the singularity. It is a little hard to imagine, but it is a single point of infinite mass and zero volume. And due to the singularity inside the black hole, the gravitational pull is so strong that even light cannot escape it. Anything that crosses the point of no return, known as the event horizon of a black hole, will get annihilated. Yet the brightest objects in the universe, the stars, orbit this very black hole in complete surrender to the laws of physics put forth by the Creator. And they orbit the same way that electrons orbit around atomic nuclei. Now, 
<laughs> as strange as this may sound, there's something very familiar about black holes. Wouldn't you agree, Brother Hassan? Yes, indeed. In fact, for us as Muslims, it is not uncommon to have been exposed to this image long before we were able to look out into the heavens through extremely powerful telescopes and actually see mm -hmm. the effects of a black hole in galaxies. We see something extremely similar as the thousands, hundreds of thousands, and millions of pilgrims, the Hajis, make tawaf around the Holy Kaaba during the Hajj pilgrimage. In the same way that these thousands and billions of stars in different galaxies revolve around a black hole, you have thousands, tens of thousands of pilgrims all donned in their white, perfectly clean, pure ihram, circumambulating around the Holy Kaaba, interestingly enough, is draped in a pure black cloth. And there's an interesting parallel here in that just as a black hole is the center of every galaxy, and the Kaaba is the center of the life for the believer. Our lives are literally revolving around the Kaaba, meaning the divine presence of Allah, our creator, the source. It begs the question, what is the significance of a black hole with regards to spirituality? Yes, that image is very powerful because here we have a black hole with billions of stars. They are the only bright objects in the night sky that we can see. And... As you mentioned, we have the Hujjaj who will go on this pilgrimage to Hajj to circumambulate around the Kaaba, are all draped and dressed in white. To me, it feels like we resemble the stars that are in the night sky and that we have a potential inside each and every one of us to reach the Divine Presence. You know, SubhanAllah, interestingly enough, the Prophet with whom his companions were perfected in Tarbiyah, who were purified and made clean, spiritually from within, reached a great nearness to the divine presence of Allah Almighty. Regarding his companions, the Prophet said, my companions are like the stars in the night sky. Follow any one of them and you'll be guided. So here in this hadith, the Prophet is actually comparing the perfected believer, the perfected human being, his companions as stars. And what are stars? They're physical objects that are giving off light. In the same way, the Prophet describes his companions, the perfected believer, as a star, as a source of light, as a source of guidance. And the Hujaj, again, making tawaf around the Holy Kaaba, dressed in white, brilliantly resemble these holy stars in the heavens. We hear many scientists often say that we're all stardust. And Islam doesn't oppose this idea because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the heavens in stages. We hear it as six days, or rather six stages, and there was the Big Bang, the bright flash, the universe cooled, stars were born, galaxies formed, and then planets such as the planet Earth formed from which we came. So everything in this universe, whether it is a planet, an asteroid, or a cloud of dust, ultimately it came from a dying star. It is very safe to say that we as human beings do resemble the stars metaphorically and physically. And subhanAllah, there is in the corner of the Kaaba the black stone, which the Prophet said had fallen from the heavens. Again, making this connection between the Kaaba, our lives here on earth, and the heavenly realm. And again, subhanAllah, you have the black stone, that which absorbs color, light, black, blackness. Blackness symbolizes emptiness, a void. 
And subhanAllah, the, the blackness or the darkness is usually something that we are all afraid of. You know, if we can bridge from the black hole or the black holes at the center of all the galaxies in the universe to the voids or the holes inside of ourselves, that is something that we are all afraid to face and confront. There is a void within each of us that we're constantly trying to either fill or run from. We try to fill it with dunya, with the world, with material, materialism, attachments. And at the same time, we're constantly seeking to avoid the emptiness within. We fill ourselves with entertainment and distraction. Yet the way of the Prophet and the way of spirituality, spiritual development, is to face that emptiness within. The Prophet always recommended to sit and be still, to reflect on death, your mortality, the annihilation of your temporal being. And he pointed to this as a way towards spiritual awakening, towards awakening and enlightenment. You just reminded me of something during the time of the Prophet Muhammad a group of people were gathered around and they were joking and they were laughing hysterically. And Prophet Muhammad passes by and he approaches this group of people and he says, you know what you should sprinkle into your conversation there? And he said, what, Ya Rasulullah? And he said one word, death. And he walked away. If you were to do this to a group of friends, they might look at you weird, but this is the reality. You know, if we are constantly aware of death, minute by minute, second by second, then our entire way of life will completely change because we're always aware of the inevitable. Absolutely. We would be less focused on chasing dunya and more focused on cultivating awareness, consciousness, and awakening to eternity and to truth. We would be less concerned with all of the trivial drama that arises in our lives and much more concerned with what truly matters. The remembrance of death is central in the way of the Prophet and in the teachings of Islam and spirituality and in many other traditions as well. And I always want to make sure that I point out that this is not based in any type of morose approach to life, but rather the contrary. By coming to terms and accepting and embracing our vulnerability and the fact that we will die, we are only here on this planet for a short time, it frees us to live. All of the meaningless things that we're afraid of fall away because ultimately they don't matter. There's a beautiful saying that everybody dies, but not everybody lives. The real test, the real challenge is to live. And to live, we have to overcome fear. To overcome fear, we have to face the emptiness within ourselves, that void within. Absolutely. Everything will ultimately meet death. Now, when we think about black holes and the voids within ourselves, it's very interesting when we look at how black holes form. Now, there are many stars in the universe, and none of them are identical to each other in terms of their masses. When you look at a star and you wonder, how is this light reaching me? Or how is it able to emit so much light? It is only the result of the fusion of hydrogen nuclei. And in that process, it emits light. So when it uses up all of its fuel, and has that critical mass as large as 25 times the mass of our sun. What it does, it explodes, but it doesn't explode outwardly. It explodes inwardly. It implodes in on itself. It cannot withstand its own gravity, and that's why it implodes. And the result is a black hole, and this is very important physically and spiritually. 
death is an inevitable event that we will all reach. It is something that we all fear. So just like the stars in the universe that implode onto themselves, we like them have to look inwardly to reach that divine truth. And Allah Almighty says in the Holy Quran that every soul shall taste death. He also says, This is what we say when someone dies, that all things come from Allah Almighty, and to Allah Almighty is the return. Death is the doorway back to the Divine Presence. Ultimately, we will be separated from this world and return to the Divine, to our Source, to our Creator. But spirituality, specifically Islamic spirituality, is about not waiting to death to awaken. Right, Sayyidina Ali Karmallahu Wajahu said that this life is a dream and you awaken when you die. The Prophet ﷺ taught that it is possible to wake up in this life before death. And thus he said, die before you die. Death is annihilation. It's the annihilation of the self, of all that is false. And in the same way, a black hole is the annihilation of all that is other than reality, other than truth. It absorbs everything. All manifest reality is absorbed into the singularity. And subhanAllah, the singularity, I mean, it, it itself echoes oneness, mm. tawheed. It is a point of oneness. Through that death, the death of the self, the death of the ego, the lower self, it is possible to return to a state of oneness, a consciousness based in oneness, transcendent consciousness. And this was the way of the Holy Prophet Yes, die before you die. Such a powerful message coming from Muhammad It feels like a possibility that we can all conquer our lower selves and our egos and our lower passions and desires and reach the ultimate truth, the only reality that is inside each and every one of us. We, we get very confused about ourselves and the spirit that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in us. Ultimately, everything is nothing. The stars, the galaxies, planet Earth, every person you know, the only reality is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the spirit that He has blown into mankind. If we can actually wrap our heads around this, believe it, and surrender to this very idea, then that will be our bridge back home. Yes, and all of life is pushing us towards this, at first gently and later more forcefully. All suffering comes from attachment, not willing to let go of things that we are attached to psychologically. We can't change physical reality once it's manifest. But what we do have control over is whether we resist what is or whether we surrender to what is. Life is constantly taking things away from us and pulling at us. And when we resist, we suffer. But if we can learn to let go, to surrender of our attachments and ultimately of ourselves, we can find peace. We can awaken to a higher state of consciousness known as nafsul mutma'inna, the peaceful, tranquil, contented, certain self. We spend so much energy defending ourselves in life, having to be right and make others wrong. We're trapped in this nafsul lawama state of consciousness, this level two state consciousness, as I refer to it in some of my work, that we miss life, we miss living. We're trapped in these narrow prisons of our own perception, the ego, mind, through which everything is filtered and labeled good or bad. If we can just learn to let go of all of these attachments, these judgments, these interpretations, we can find peace in the here and now. We can find peace, happiness in life. And that is a form of death. It's a death of the ego. It's a death of that self. But it is the awakening of the soul. It is the awakening to true life. 
And just as Musa alayhi salam, when he was approaching the fire, he was trying to communicate with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, remove your shoes, meaning abandon your ego before you come to me. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only reality. You can't take yourself and go to Allah. Yes, and subhanAllah, there's even a deeper meaning hidden there. When Allah tells him to remove his shoes, his sandals, it's almost an indication to leave behind your attachment even to the path that you're walking. Mm. This becomes a trap for many people, especially in religion and in spirituality, where they become attached and identify with the path. They label themselves as Muslims, as Sufis, as Hanafis or Malikis or Shafi'is, Hanbalis, Jafaris, Shia, Sunni. All of these labels are false. They're false idols that we end up worshipping. Just another example of attachments that we cling to, that we create to protect and preserve the self, the ego mind, our temporal identity. In the divine presence of Allah, there's nothing but Allah. There's no you. There's no name. There's no label. There's nothing you can hold on to. There's nothing you can cling to. In that divine presence, there's nothing but absolute, complete, total surrender. Complete and total annihilation of all that is false. And as long as we hold on to these false attachments, it causes us suffering and it causes us pain. Because life, Allah's will, this universe, is designed to strip us of all that is false. Just as galaxies and billions of stars and systems are revolving around a black hole, revolving around black holes that will ultimately end in their annihilation, so too do our lives revolve around the divine presence of Allah that will ultimately end in our annihilation, the annihilation of all that is false. We can fight, we can resist, or we can surrender and seek the wisdom inside of that and understand who we truly are beyond time and space, beyond form, beyond temporal identity. Who are you? You're not your name. You're not your body, you're not your mind, but only by going inward into that emptiness within can you ever discover who you truly are or what truly is. And just as stars that revolve around the black hole will ultimately meet annihilation, they're doing it with absolute peace and surrender. So we can all meet our ultimate annihilation, the ultimate reality, with a peaceful surrender or we can all do it kicking and screaming on our way back to the Divine Presence. Allah's will is pulling us regardless. So it's up to us to choose to surrender to that will and go peacefully. Or like you said, to kick and stream the entire way. But Islam again means surrender. Spiritual surrender. Internal surrender. Stop resisting within what's happening without. Accept what is because it is. Fighting and kicking and screaming against Allah's will as it has already manifested doesn't change anything, but it does create suffering. It does create pain. Just as a pointer to you who are listening out there, look at your life and maybe ask yourself, what am I resisting? What is it that I refuse to accept or to allow to be? You know, there's a beautiful prayer known as serenity prayer. And it states that, O oh Lord, give me the strength to change the things that I can change, to accept the things that I cannot change, and the wisdom to know the difference. This prayer is a perfect summation of the principles of Islam, of surrender, spiritual surrender. 
And to accept doesn't mean to perpetuate it indefinitely into the future. To accept simply means to allow it to be because it already is. Yes, and when it comes to resistance, there is something that we all resist, and that is living in the present moment. Now, time is another issue here. We're either worried about the future, what's going to happen tomorrow, or we're all living in the past. What we did wrong, what we could have changed, would have done, should have done. And the only thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us control of, and I put that in quotations, is what we can do in the present moment. Because this moment is the past of the future. And time, if we could think about time inside of a black hole, time doesn't even exist. It doesn't even matter. If we look at a particle of light, let's say, some of you know that light travels at a very high speed. It's actually the maximum speed limit of the universe is traveling so fast that it doesn't experience a future, it doesn't experience a past, it's stuck in one eternal moment all of the time. That alone proves that time is an illusion. And subhanAllah, the subject of time is an actually very important point here. In a black hole, there is no time. Just like at the speed of light, there is no time. Time is something that we have created conceptually as part of the ego's need to survive in the world. And we created clocks to measure time. And in this day and age, our lives are completely governed by clocks. It's as if we have become slaves to time. Interestingly enough, when we make pilgrimage at the Kaaba, we are making tawaf around the Kaaba in a counterclockwise motion. If we think of clockwise indicating or symbolizing the way of the world and materialism, spirituality then is going in the opposite direction. It's going counterclockwise. It's going counter to materialism. In Islam and in spirituality, we're then going against the flow of time. We're actually moving towards transcending time altogether and awakening in that present moment, in this present moment, here, now. It is nothing but ego that keeps us out of living in the present moment. Pain from the past and the drama of the story of me or the fears and anxieties of what may happen in the future. Both of these are an indication of a lack of tawakkul, a lack of trust, complete surrender to Allah. If we truly believed in Allah, if we truly surrendered and depended on Allah, would we fear anything for tomorrow? Yet we are driven by fear in our culture, in our society, in modern life. And Sayyidina Isa, Jesus salam, said, Look at the birds. They leave in the morning with their bellies empty and they return in the evening with their bellies full. And they do not plan for tomorrow. Of course, our lives are a little bit more complex. And I'm not suggesting we don't plan at all. But the point is, and what spirituality tries to teach us, is to learn to live in the present moment. You may have a direction and we're supposed to have a direction. Meaning you know where you're going in life, which direction your life is facing but you've got to be living each step of the journey. Most of the time, we're lost in anxiety and worry for the future, and there's nothing we can do about it in the present moment. We just keep circulating the same thoughts, the same fears, the same anxieties, the same stresses and concerns in our head, and there's nothing we can do about it in the present moment. It's just a complete waste of energy. So Allah, Azawajal, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the Prophet, وسلم, Islam, spirituality teaches us to go against the flow of time, against the flow of the world, to go counterclockwise, to go back towards our source, not away from our source.
to not try to run away from singularity, but to surrender to it and to thus awaken in eternity. Now, because of this resistance towards living in the present moment, constantly worried about filling the void inside, no matter how much of this world we accumulate, it will never fill that void. And we still suffer. And the real suffering does not happen in the mind. The real suffering that really happens is inside of the heart. The heart is our source of life. If you were to look at a physical body, everything looks dead except the heart. It is alive. It is constantly beating. It is constantly reminding you of your purpose, your direction, and the ultimate truth and reality that is within yourself. So when you say, I am suffering, I am in pain, it is not yourself that is suffering, rather it is your heart. So as Muslims, we have to pay close attention to the heart and think about what steps we can take to purify ourselves so that our hearts can reach a calm, contented state known as al-nafs al-mutma'inna. Yes, and I would say that it's the heart suffering under the tyranny of the mind, under the tyranny of the ego mind. And this is why Allah refers to human beings as oppressors unto themselves in the Holy Quran. Now, the heart, yes, Ahmed, is the source or the connection to the source. It's the path. It's the way back. And just like in the Kaaba or in Hajj, we're making tawaf around the Kaaba towards the house of God. The Kaaba is known as the house of Allah. But of course, we know that Allah is not in the Kaaba because he himself has said in Hadith Qudsi, the Prophet narrates that Allah has said, neither the heavens nor the earth can contain me, save the heart of a believer. So really, what we are moving towards in the Hajj and in Islam and in spirituality is towards the root of our own beings, the root of our own selves. The true house of God is your heart. The true house of God is deep within your own being. And this is why when Jalaluddin Rumi realized the reality of the divine presence within his own being, he began to make tawaf around the axis, around his own soul, around the center of his being. He began to whirl and spin around himself, around his being, I shouldn't say himself, but the essence of who he was, the essence of what is the divine presence within. This is the origin of the whirling that takes place, particularly within the Mevla of the order, which traces its lineage back through Sayyidina Jalaluddin Rumi. Yet the important thing to remember is that the true house of God is your heart. It's within. And instead of running from that, face it. And this brings us to something very interesting. Some of you have seen the artwork for the Soul of Islam radio and have seen this peculiar logo at the center. It is five concentric circles overlapping a um, eight-pointed star. Now, as we know, the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is carried by eight angels. And there's something very interesting about prostration. When we are all in sujood, we place our foreheads on the ground and it is the only position where the heart is elevated above the mind or the brain what's even more interesting about that is that there are eight points in our body our foreheads the tip of our nose our hands our knees and our toes those are eight points that make contact with the surface of the earth or the ground or the floor or wherever you are prostrating it almost resembles the eight angels that are carrying the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so when we look at the logo, if you're wondering about the eight points or the eight-pointed star, 
that is the hidden message in there. SubhanAllah, the Prophet of Allah said that a human being is closest to Allah when they are in sajda, when they are in prostration, in total surrender, surrendering the mind, elevating the heart, awakening the heart. When we are, When the heart is awakened, we are closest to Allah. And these eight points of contact, again, symbolize the throne of Allah, the human being in sajda. SubhanAllah, a lot of inspiration and thought went into the creation of this logo and this would probably be a very good time to try to explain it we i know we've had a lot of people asking Mm -hmm. what is the significance of this logo in addition to the eight points that are making up the eight points of the star representing the eight angels of the throne of allah see this entire logo it symbolizes the human heart your heart your essence your soul the doorway to the divine presence it is known among the masters of Islamic spirituality, that the heart has five levels, five layers. These are sometimes referred to as qalb, sir, 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 khafa, and akhfa. The heart, the secret, the secret of the secret, the hidden, and the most hidden. These five deepening layers within the human heart, symbolizing deepening levels of awareness, of consciousness, of awakening. So in our logo, we have five concentric circles symbolizing the human heart and of course again the kaaba symbolizes the human heart as well so we have two squares and the kaaba is a square we have two squares superimposed upon one another the physical heart and the spiritual heart the physical kaaba and the spiritual kaaba again making the eight-pointed star of this logo so this deepest level is symbolized by the color black this deepest level of the heart akhfa it's the most hidden region of our beings. And the threshold of that is like an event horizon of a black hole. It's the most hidden secret. And that is the doorway to the divine presence of Allah. There is an emptiness within us. There's a void deep within us. That when we're alone, when we're quiet, when we're still, we can feel. And it is frightening. It can be scary. And it's difficult to sit in that presence because it will suck in everything that is false. Normally we get afraid and we leave. That's the end of the meditation session. But if you can sit in that deep, deep stillness and face the emptiness within, you will come out on the other side, free from all that is false, awake and alive. And that's why in this new world, in this materialistic world, distractions are perfect for the ego. You know, Facebook... Instagram, the social media, TV, fashion, you name it. It constantly keeps us distracted from confronting ourselves, confronting that absolute truth, that void that is inside of us. And I was having a conversation one time and I said, if I were to put you in a room for a day or two, would you be able to do it? And she said, no, I can't. I said, why? She said, I'm afraid. I said, afraid of what? And she paused and she said, because I'm reminded of death. I'm reminded of loneliness. I'm reminded of the time when I'm going to have to face my Lord. Again, loneliness, being alone, confronting that void will remind you of that ultimate reality, death, annihilation, the return back to the divine presence. So we make gods for ourselves, gods outside, things that we constantly associate with, attach to and worship. But Allah is not out there. Allah is in the deepest core of your being. 
And if we could just sit in that stillness and surrender to it and discover that divine presence within, you need not ever be alone again because then Allah is with you always. He says, I'm nearer to you than your jugular vein. How can we be alone? How can we feel lonely when Allah is with us always? The problem is that we're not with Allah. We're with everything but Allah. Absolutely. And this egocentric way of life has turned each and every one of us into individual gods. And humanity has reached the lowest state possible in human history. We have taken ourselves to the lowest level possible, to the point where humanity now is worshipping itself. That is the furthest thing one can be away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now initially there is a struggle, there is some kind of fear or anxiety surrounding the idea of confronting oneself. Is there anything that you, Brother Ahsan, would suggest from your Islamic meditation program that would help people get into that state? Sure. So I would recommend a period of khalwa or seclusion or isolation, almost daily if you can manage it. Khalwa or seclusion, isolation is a spiritual practice or spiritual exercise that has been used from the beginning of the time of the Prophet until now in which a student or a seeker spends time alone. Traditionally, they would be alone for extended periods of time, 40 days, 4 months, sometimes even years, to completely sever all attachment to dunya. That's extremely difficult, if not impossible, to do in today's day and age. But perhaps of equal reward now is just to spend an hour alone every single day. The best times are early in the morning, deep in the night, the last third of the night, and to set aside that time to be just with Allah, just with your Lord, just with your Creator. So awaken when the rest of the world is sleeping, right, and in the Adhan, especially for Fajr prayer, As-Salatu Khairun Min prayer or awakening, consciousness, connection to Allah is better than sleep. It's better than remaining unconscious. So when the world chooses to sleep, succumbing to the needs of the physical body, practice a little bit of zuhud or spiritual asceticism and awaken at least a few times throughout the week, Monday mornings, Friday mornings, our best, and spend some time with Allah alone, in quietness and stillness and meditation, in dhikr, and set the stage, you know, light a candle, put some incense, have a glass of water and a prayer rug ready, create an intimate space where you can be alone with Allah, where you can feel that divine presence, free from the distractions of the world, from all the things that constantly arise in our lives. That's your time. That's time that is going to nourish your soul. It's going to nourish your being and give you energy to get through your day. When you spend time alone like that with Allah, you're creating, you're, you're strengthening the connection between you and the Divine Presence. It's like a rope between you and Allah's Divine Presence that then when you go out into the world, it keeps you rooted, it keeps you anchored so that the world doesn't make you lose yourself. Definitely, and consistency also is very important. Train yourself. Do what you can bear. You know, if you start early in the morning and towards the end of the night, take a word that you can actually keep and be consistent with because that is very important. If you miss a day, then that might throw you off and it might become even more difficult to go back into that routine. So try and practice khalwa in the world, seclusion in the materialistic world, so that you may remember 
the essence of who you really are. And when you spend this time alone, you cultivate this internal connection with Allah's presence, with stillness. You can then stay connected to that when you are out in the world. When you're out at work with your family, you can still gently remember and make that connection instantly because you've cultivated, you've crafted it, you've already experienced it when you were alone, when it was possible. So it's easier to connect to that. And Shanakshband, of course, said, you know, outwardly be with people, be engaged in work, but inwardly be with Allah. Inwardly remember Allah. And that is the essence of dhikr, to remember. Not just to remember the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but to remember that experience, that reality that we were all once part of before we came into this dunya. And know that transcending is a reality, and with it are fruits. The closer you are to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the closer He is to you. And at that point, you begin to transcend. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes your eyes that you see the world with, your hands. He will walk with you. And those are all signs of the contented and calm self that we are all trying to, or should try to, reach. Earlier, Ahmed, you mentioned the movie Interstellar. And if you guys out there haven't seen it, it's an excellent movie. I highly recommend it. So the interesting thing is that the earth is dying in this movie. And the answer to survival is actually in a black hole. So they're transported to a different galaxy, a different system, and actually have to descend into a black hole to discover the secret necessary for survival. The tagline for the movie said, The end of earth will not be our end. So in the movie, you have the earth dying. In spirituality, the earth symbolizes the body, the human body. And it's again a pointer to the fact that the end of the body, the end of your body, will not be your end. And you can discover who you truly are by diving deep within into the black hole, the void, the emptiness within. The movie is also about evolution, the evolution of consciousness. And in the movie, guidance is given to the characters by fifth dimensional beings. Again, interestingly enough, we have the number five coming up. Beings who have perfected themselves to a point where perhaps they are now subsistent and existing within that deepest layer or level of the soul of the heart, the fifth dimension, the fifth level. This is the human divine potential, the transcendence of time and space. And this is a reality. It's not just theory and it's not just science fiction. It's a reality. And the Prophet experienced this and attained this, Laylatul Isra wal Miraj, when he ascended to the divine presence of Allah, transcended time, transcended all space, made the journey of billions and billions of years immeasurable in the blink of an eye. There on that journey, he met with the previous prophets. He saw the past and the future. And this is a reality. It's a possibility. Even awliya were recorded as having had miracles that transcended or bent the rules of time and space, the rules of physics. There's another movie that has recently, not too long ago, come out called Lucy, also talking about human potential and evolution of being. And in that movie, when she attains full capacity of her being, is able to use 100% of her resources, she transcends time and space as well. So Islam is a path of evolution. It's a path of growth and progress. It's a path of awakening to your divine potential. The Prophet ﷺ and awliya, shayyukh, pious leaders and scholars taught 
that we are not just animals here to satisfy the needs of the body and to live in this very low level of existence, but we are here to evolve. We're here to awaken and to discover who we truly are and what we're truly capable of. And we can never discover the truth of reality or of ourselves when we're completely lost in ghafla, in heedlessness, in distraction in the world. Hence, time alone is of utmost necessity, utmost importance. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that I've created the jinn and human beings, but for worship, ibadah, for my divine worship, my divine presence. Ibadah, real ibadah, not just forms and motions, but presence nourishes your soul, nourishes your being, it awakens your soul, it awakens your being. The salihin, the siddiqin, the ibadullah, look forward to prayer and meditation the way we look forward to lunch and dinner and entertainment and distraction. If we can shift from being dependent on feeding our bodies and minds to feeding our souls, we will be walking that straight path to the divine presence of Allah, the way of the prophets, the footsteps of the prophets. May Allah Almighty guide and inspire us to walk that path sincerely and truly. And may his divine will lead us to our potential. So we should all be aware that the real inspiration, the real ilham comes directly from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we suggest movies such as Interstellar or Lucy, know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the power to inspire even Hollywood to send a message to his people. Don't limit yourself and say, I cannot read from this book or watch from this movie because it came from this particular source. Be aware, be conscious, be smart, and take what is reflecting the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All art is inspired, and the degree to which anybody is open to receiving inspiration, Muslim or not, they can receive divine wisdom and divine light even beyond themselves. In fact, all great art comes from beyond the self. So sometimes you have the most amazing works of art coming through human beings who were just open enough during that flow, during that transmission, for it to come through them. Exactly. Now, we mentioned many things in this episode. We mentioned black holes, galaxies, the universe, the voids. Just to summarize everything, know that there is something called an illusion and a reality. Everything around you, whether it is a star or a human being, is all an illusion. Time is an illusion. Dimension, space, even the laws of physics are all illusions. None of it is real. The only real thing is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was, He is, and He always will be. Know this. Believe this. It is very easy for us to say such a statement, but is there depth behind that statement? We need to reflect on what we're really saying. We need to reflect on the shahada, on our belief. We cannot attach ourselves to the world, to the dunya, because attaching oneself to the world will not bring any happiness inside the heart. Anything from this world is temporary. Everything is dying. A star is born, it lives a life, and then it dies, ultimately reaching annihilation. We all will face death. We will all die. We are all returning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remember that you have a heart that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you. Know that the truth that you are truly seeking is inside of you. Know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you a divine spark. Insan, man, the human being, is very different than the other creations, jinn and malaika. The entire universe is inside of us. 
if we know how the universe works, then we can get an insight on who we really are and how we work. And if we know ourselves, we will know our universe. But ultimately, by knowing both, we will know Allah, the God, the one and only God. We must abandon the false idea that we are in control. None of us are. Accept, surrender, and be present. Live in the moment. Remind yourself every day that transcendence is a reality. It is a possibility for everyone. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful and He wants His creation to know Him. And as a spoken word artist, I try to express spiritual truths, particularly in this piece. Lives spent dancing around the sun with the distinction between right and wrong is never clear. The real source of the pain can never be identified, but mistaken to be mental when it's all coming from here, meaning the heart. Our insides are filled with voids that thrive on hearts filled with fear. We ridicule, ignore, and avoid the question, why are we all really here? The essence has disappeared but the essence will reappear. This brings us to the end of the fifth episode. We hope you enjoyed this show. Please subscribe via iTunes. And to support the Soul of Islam radio, please give us a rating or review on iTunes. Visit our website at soulofislamradio.com. There you can find a multimedia course to help you rediscover the spiritual dimension of Islam as well as subscription links to services such as iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn, and links to our personal blogs and social media profiles, as well as a form for you, the listeners, to send in any suggestions that you may have for future episodes. To help you achieve stillness and a state of meditation, we recommend you visit islamicmeditation.com. And with that... May the peace and the mercy of the Divine be upon you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.